I can tell you with total certainty, I have never kissed anybody in the rain. What? Yeah. What? what? That's so sad. If it was raining right now, I'd take you out and give you a good snog. Travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the shenanigans. It was the early 80s, and sex was still a good way to meet new people. The disappointment. Now that's a real shame when folks be throwing away a perfectly good white boy like that. And the self-confidence. I'm six foot, three inches tall, and maintain a very consistent panda bear shape. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. Hello, Sean Daly. Say a prayer in the darkness for the magic to come. What? What are you talking about? And why are the lights off? Are you wearing pants? Because before you know it, it's gone. Dude, what, what's with the weird mystic thing? Talk to me. Let the revels begin. Let the fire be started. I get it. I get it. Say it. Say it. Tonight is what it means to be young. Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears with TampaBay.com. And today we examine the greatness that was... 1984's Streets of Fire. She's not just your old girlfriend. Oh, Reva, what do you want from me, huh? You know what I want. You want me to go rescue an old girlfriend who shacked up with another guy? Thanks a lot. With me, as always, we're destined to end our lives in an epic sledgehammer battle. Times pop music critic Sean Daly. Who do you think would win in an epic uh, sledgehammer battle between the two of us? I want to say you're going to win because you're going to pull some sort of look, squirrel. (laughs) You know, and... uh... I'd be like the master of concealment, Mr. Fuji, in, in the WWF, and I'd throw something in your face, like salt, and I'd hit you with that sledgehammer as hard as I could. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be good. You know, the big difference between us and uh, Tom Cody and Raven, the two main characters in this movie, is that they're gentlemen battler- battlers, and we're just kind of like jerks. You are, we're going to talk about that in, in a second. You are fascinated by the gentlemen warriors. Yes. Yeah. This is a weird movie, and you described it yesterday as calling it a chick flick for guys. It is a chick flick for guys. That's what I wrote in my trusty reporter's notebook. For those who never saw it, and a lot of you apparently didn't because it did really bad in the box office. Really? About $8 million on a $14.5 million budget. Yikes. But uh, Streets of Fire, 19.4, directed by the great Walter Hill. 48 hours. Right. Um, is described in previews and trailers and posters as a rock and roll fable. Another time. Another place. Right, right. And it, it has the unusual mix of uh, music, action, and drama that have elements of the 50s, a little bit of Greece, with uh, elements of the 80s. Yes. I said it's like the, um, like the Dippity Dude 50s as invaded by the neon 80s. Yes, exactly. Neon yes. had no place in the 50s. No. And yet it does well, in I imagine it did. I imagine it did, but not to the extent of <laughs> yeah, neon not. Exactly. and stuff. Um, as, as most people know who have seen it, it stars the great Michael Paré. Love him. He has awesome hair. As Tom Cody. He's a soldier of fortune, returning home to uh, rescue his ex-girlfriend, Ellen Aim, played by the lovely Diane Lane, who's been kidnapped by the villainous Raven, a.k.a. Willem Dafoe. Yeah, and his motorcycle gang, the, the Bombers. Bombers. 
They really went on a limb for that one. Yeah, the they... Bombers. Ellen Aim, of course, is a Madonna type, a Lady Gaga type. She's a belter. She's a, a pop singer from the Richmond. Right. The grimy city, which kind of looks like a Brooklyn a little bit, like grimy 50s Yeah, because they talk about going to the Battery. So you yeah. You get the feeling this is New York. But it's so obviously a Hollywood backlot. It actually is. A Hollywood backlot, yeah, you know. Yeah. But I actually enjoyed the artifice of Streets of Fire because it's very much, uh, as well as being a rock and roll fable, it's also pretty much a graphic novel, like a comic book. Right. And let's talk about the theme there, a rock and roll fable. And then the opening words you see in the movie are another time, another place, like you said. Why do you think this is important? Because oh, I think I, they wanted to fudge that. I, you know, you could look at it as a bit of a cheat. Like they wanted to take Walter Hill who also co-wrote the screenplay, wanted to have all his favorite elements. So he wanted some rock and roll in there, but he also wanted like the 50s biker, the slick back hair look, you know, the hipster slang. What's this skirt doing riding with us, you know? But then he wanted to make very much a, uh, a music video. It's very much a music video. MTV was at its heights in 1984, and so he wanted to also appeal to a younger uh, mainstream audience of teenagers and to bring them in what was hot today on the chart. So I think by saying another time on our place, it saves him. It allows him to kind of fudge and bring in these two different elements. And he was probably a guy who grew up in the 50s, but now he's writing and directing movies for a younger audience. So you want to bring in all these elements, and so it's kind of this vague parallel universe. Right. I mean, the 50s were experiencing a renaissance in this part of the 80s because you did have, you were still coming off the glow of Greece, and, and there were a lot of 80s movies that were based Let in the Let me ask 50s. you a question, yeah. uh, Stephen Q. Spears. Do you like Streets of Fire? This is a trick question. It is. Go ahead. Answer the I, question. I love Streets of Fire. You love Streets of Fire? Okay. Um, do you like other movies that were set, made in the 80s, but set in other decades? Absolutely not. But yet you like this one. So explain why. I think it's just like you said. It's a cheat. To each individual, this movie is exactly what you want it to be. Oh, my God. You are so blowing this mystic air into... You know, I will share something with the listeners. <laughs> when you want to do... We have no real reason for doing Streets of Fire. It's not necessarily an anniversary. Michael Paré is not going to walk in the room. Yeah, oh, Ladies and gentlemen. Hello. I don't even know. That was like Vincent Price <laughs> like, is Michael Paré. Um... But all of a sudden, you're like, you were watching, there's a song in the movie, we'll talk about, uh, tonight is what it means to be young. Yeah. You know, you reference it in our, in our, our, our whimsical opening. Um, and you must have watched this video <laughs> 57 times in one day. And you, yeah. I look over and you're like tearing up. Your, your eyes are, are, are wet or glistening per usual, you know, and you're like, dude, let's just go record this show now, Streets of Fire. I'm like, man, I, I haven't seen it in like 20 years. No, come on. I have so much to say. I could talk for an hour on the fact that it's a rock and roll fable. I'm like, oh, God, shoot me. But anyway, I decided, you know what? Yeah, sure, we'll do it. Um, and I, I watched it. it last night, and I loved it. It's only an hour and a half. Yeah. 
You know, it all takes place in, in uh, basically one night. Two days. Two days. Um, and I love it. It's a lot of fun. I get it's obsessed with the whole fable aspect. Why fable? Why choose these words? Why choose the words rock and roll fable? Because it sounds cool, dude. It does I, sound I really, cool. It's not that there are not you know super what? deep thinkers on this. It's a very, very superficial movie, but an entertaining one. Yeah, you know, and probably when I saw it in '84, and I think I did see it in the in the, in the theaters. I probably saw another time, another place, and thought, ah, oh, Star Wars. You know, a long oh, time ago in a place far, far away. And I thought... Galaxy that, far, far away. Yeah, I'm thinking, that's a cheat. But now I see it as a fully grown man. <laughs> a, l- a little extra, and then some. <laughs> that's for sure. And and I see something different. I, now I see maybe what Walter Hill was going for. Well, um, l- tell us a little bit more about the plot. Bring us, uh, and so Tom Cody is brought home uh, to rescue... Uh, Ellen Aim, played by Diane Lane, who has been kidnapped by this guy, and she is right. uh, late. Let's say the Lady Gaga, but not as uh, you know wild. It, it's and a out thin there. plot because you never really know why does why does she get kidnapped by Ray? The great Deborah Van Valkenburg, remember her? I think she was on Too Close for Comfort with Ted Knight. Can one of our '80s uh, <laughs> listeners fact check for me? Because uh, I know you will. And so she plays Tom Cody's sister. Says, "Come home, because Tom and Ellen used to date." You know, right. and they've gone their separate ways. Tom Cody went off to be uh, you in, know, army. Uh, in the army, and Ellen, of course, is this pop star, and she's managed by Mick, Rick Moranis, who plays Billy Fish, who's this real slimy guy. It's easily the most interesting role Rick yeah. Moranis has ever played, and he's kind of a he's kind of a tough guy too. Like yeah, he doesn't, I love it. He, you know, he's not was I mean, they dress him up like a, a bit of a nerd, but you know, he also stands up for himself. I mean, he's annoying. You know, and he's not very nice, but it's cool. You, you know, you could see why maybe she would be attracted to this guy who was so intent on making her a star. Look, Cody, you sound pretty dumb, but nobody's that dumb. I'm the one paying you. That means you go get her, I wait here, and you bring her back to me. You smart guys. You always figure you can hire a bum like me to do your dirty work. Well, not this time. Can you really get her back? You got a better volunteer? The, the reasons behind the kidnapping are never clear, other than Raven just wants a good time for a couple of weeks, I think. And but but the re- the rationale behind getting Tom back, you know, this guy who obviously has a lot of honor, yeah, um, to go in there and do it when nobody else will. It's it's a nice it's a nice little plot point. And the romance you start it starts to fill itself in. You start to see what you know how they were originally together. Right. You know, t- uh, Cody only does it for ten grand. He wants to do it for money. For which uh, you know, Ellen Aim hates him for, but and it goes from there. And it's your typical ninety-minute kidnapping and rescue yeah. type of movie. Uh, a couple cute, uh, cool little wrinkles though, too, which makes it stand out for me. One, um, Amy Madigan plays McCoy, who is uh, we're uh, I guess we believe that she is of the lesbianic persuasion. She's she from the hints, Isle she of hints Le- at it. She's yeah. at the Isle of Lesbos by telling uh, Cody, "You're not my type," which kind of makes that they can now be friends. Because let's face it, Michael Paré is every woman's type in nineteen. He's an extremely handsome man. Yeah, you got a shirtless scene with Paré. You know, of course, he was also Eddie and Eddie and the Cruisers. Um, you know, I saw him in The Lincoln Lawyer, a brand new movie with my, uh, Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. And Paré is in there. And Paré's got to be, what, like late 50s now. Uh, and he still looks good. I mean, he's thicker like a lot of us, yeah. but he's still a really handsome yeah. SOB. You're working for me. I tell you to do something, you do it. You don't do more, you don't do less. And if you start dragging your ass, I'm sending you home. Got it. Hey, what is this? Get serious. I'm not paying you any extra to take some sweetie pie along for company. You drive. Don't worry about it. They always hire bums like me for jobs like this. Walter Hill 
loves writing these like real, real super tough guy characters, you know. And so a lot of the language, though not as salty as Forty Eight Hours with Nick Nolte and Eddie Murphy and those two. I mean, that is just <laughs> the dialogue is so brutal and it's so is, great. This is PG. This is PG, but I mean, there could have been. I mean, people really. It's all antagonistic. Yeah. I'm not think I'm. I don't think I'm giving anything away though. But Walter Hill also has their echoes from Forty Eight Hours and Streets of Fire because at the end of both, all these groups of people that were so antagonistic and so acrimonious, hating each other, all get along at the end. There's actually a happy ending, just like in Forty Eight well, Hours. I'd say there's a mutual understanding. Is, is is how I put it. A happy ending. That depends. I, on I, I don't want to give it away, but like Billy Fish, the Rick Moranis character, and uh, Paré the whole time, they're at each other's throats. We'll give it away eventually. And then at the end, yeah. there's some sort of reconciliation. Yeah. Um, this movie was actually intended to be the first of a trilogy of films, all starring Paré as Tom Cody. But because this one was such a failure at the box office, those other two movies didn't happen. I would love to have seen him, or I'd love to sit down with Walter Hill and say, "Tell, tell me what was your idea." <sighs> I'd love to get that interview. That'd be yeah. awesome. Okay, so let me ask you this. What is your favorite scene from Streets of Fire? Um, well, I'll do the obvious one. And they, there's a great, great, very romantic kiss in the rain, which yeah. is kind of like the, the whole point of the uh, of the story where... The one between Rick Moranis and uh, <laughs> yeah. Michael Parry. Uh, Michael Parry and Diane Lane. Uh, basically, he's about to leave, and she, you know, she runs out and says, you know, I waited for you for two years. And he's this guy, like, he's flawed as well, for as much as being a, this hero. He's flawed as well, because he has kind of got this loner aspect, and he kind of burns things down, you know? And she runs out and thinks that he's gone forever, and they kiss in the rain, and then they go... Right? Yeah. And you think they're going to leave together, but Paré knows that he's messed up and he's not one to sit around with a, uh, yeah, a yeah. girl and that she she's going to be a star and right. he'll only hold her back. Well, let me, let me go, let's go back to the kiss here for a second. Um, I can tell you with total certainty I have never kissed anybody in the rain. What? Yeah. What? what? That's so sad. If it was raining right now, I'd take you out and give you a good snog. <laughs> I love... The only thing I love better than the kiss in the rain, and despite the fact that you... Uh, demean me and say I'm not a romantic, then you're the ro- romantic. I love the kiss in the rain. And the only thing better is a kiss um, during the first snowfall. Wow. That is yeah. romantic. I know. I know. It's very I'm nice. I'm more of like a press you against the wall of the elevator and kiss you sort oh, of thing. Oh, God. Which you really? know, unfortunately, from that one time. <laughs> yeah, right. And um, no, I've never kissed in the rain. I don't know if it's just... Uh, I went all I'm the way... Wary up, of the, baby, of the... I went all the way up to the top floor during that one. Yeah. Ding! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's just like I'm afraid of the cold and flu season. You're, you're never kiss, I, I think you're lying right now. You've never kissed anyone in the rain? It's so romantic. The rain, wait, water going down your face. and the- I, 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 You think if I had, I'd remember it. Yeah. So either it's totally overrated, which I don't think Maybe it is. Maybe your whole life changes. Why don't you just take your girlfriend next time it rains and just drag her outside and kiss her in the rain? Huh. Idea. Instead of sitting watching Highlander for the 50th time. I love Highlander. Yeah, she doesn't. There can only be okay. one. <laughs> <sighs> What's your favorite scene in Streets of Fire? It's it's stupid, and I feel stupid for saying it. But um, when uh, Tom Cody goes to Torchy's, the bar where um, where Raven is holding uh, Ellen Aim, and he he torches the place, ironically, he's just standing there in the street, and Raven just kind of walks up to him, smiling. Willem Dafoe, great. W- Willem Dafoe wearing a weird like rubber fishmongers yeah smock because you never know in, a fishmonger in, in the Richmond smock. in the Richmond maybe fishing is how they made their living yeah but um they don't fight right then they just kind of smile at each other like 
Yeah, gentlemen uh, warriors. Uh, gentlemen warriors. And, um, and and Raven says this. Looks like I finally ran into someone that likes to play as rough as I do. Yeah, this must be your lucky night. I'm lucky. I guess maybe I am. You're dumb. Real dumb if you think you can pull this off. I think you're forgetting something. I got the gun. I can get gun, smart guy, lots of them. Now, why don't you tell me your name? Tom Cody. Pleased to meet you. I'll be coming for her. And I'll be coming for you, too. Sure you will. And I'll be waiting. And there you go, gentlemen warriors. Not afraid to say who he is and say, come and get me. By the way, speaking of Torchies, which was also the name of the bar in uh, 48 Hours, right? Right. Speaking of Torchies, the dancer, the topless dancer uh, in Torchies is named Maureen Jahan. Okay, And if her dance moves look familiar to, he- to you, there's a reason for that. Do you know what other movie she danced in? Um, Flashdance? You suck. Yes, it was Flashdance. Maureen Jahan did all the quote-unquote stunt dancing for Jennifer oh, Beals. Oh, God, that is really... So if you ever watch Flashdance, there's a lot of scenes where it looks like she's wearing a really bad wig. Well, that's Maureen Jahan wearing a Jennifer Beals wig. Is that a chick? And the same... Ex- yes, it's a chick. It's the same exact... It's a woman, actually. I don't use the word chick because that's oh. really... Oh. It's really crass. Oh. Um, Maureen Jahan is the same, and the, uh, she does a lot of the same moves in Streets of Fire that she also did in Flashdance. Wow. I'm I a savant. You know what? I'm a savant, and unlike you who gets all your crap from Wikipedia, baby, I knew that from knowledge in my head. And I, and I sit there and I examine a movie, and I take it in. <gasps> Ooh, your eyes got really... Oh, if there wasn't glass right now, you would vault over here and pummel me with your hairy fist. I swear to God, I thought it was a dude. I wonder, you know, I bet if you hit me really hard in the face, I bet it wouldn't hurt that much because you have so much hair on your knuckles, it would, like, cushion the blow. You'd feel the blow, like, ten seconds before it actually hit. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't so bad. Ah, son of a bitch. Yeah, like, um, so you know, we said we weren't going to ruin it, but I think the ending of this movie... Requires a little bit of conversation. Okay. Um, obviously, the movie ends with Cody gets Ellen back, uh, drags her back to uh, their section of the Richmond. Um, Raven comes in for the epic sledgehammer fight. You're right. Uh, they don't kill each other. Mm-hmm. Nobody dies. Uh, you know, Cody wins. Raven goes off with the bombers. And then they stage the epic concert to, to, to end the show right. with um, Ellen and the attackers. You know, it, the, the, we'll talk about that real quick. Up, up until be, they call it a rock and roll fable, but the, all the big music happens at the end. The great Ry Cooter, who was uh, the great guitarist Ry Cooter, who did Buena Vista Social Club with the Cubans, and he also did the playing in Crossroads with Ralph Macchio. That will be our next episode, like <laughs> in the 80s. Ry Cooter does a lot of the um, uh, instrumental score. But then, not until the end, we really get thundering rock and roll, right? right. We got little pieces here yeah, and there. Yeah. Then at the end, the big finish. Right. But but here's what here's my question to you. Mm-hmm. Um, it ends with with Billy Fish, Rick Marina, saying, "Cody, I didn't know what you and Ellen had going on. You know, you guys are welcome. To, I mean, I'll, I'll step back. You guys should be together." Uh, Cody says, "No thanks." You know, he knows he's a loner, but it's all, he's also in love. He's in with love Ellen with Ellen, and he knows that she can never achieve her dreams, right? Her own personal streets of fire. <laughs> I just said that. <laughs> uh, if she's with him. Right. That they'd be in love, but she would be, she'd be working in a diner somewhere. So he does like the right thing for everyone, but right. mes- not necessarily the right thing for him. 
just like when Billy Fish says, hey, you know, I'll step back. You know, he's trying to do the right thing for everyone, not the right thing for him. See, exactly. Then, um, so it ends with uh, Cody watching uh, Ellen perform. Tonight is what it means to be young. And you see him staring at the stage. Mm-hmm. And you see the Spearsonian. Yeah, I, I, deb- I will debate this point. Tom Cody does not cry. He doesn't cry, but he gets misty. Misty? Because you, you were watching up. it through a sea of your own tears. No. You thought everyone else was crying. He's starting to well up. You can see. And he leaves because he can't cry. Oh, my God. You are such a... Oh, I just want to your face. He leaves me to cry for him. Oh, my God. He doesn't cry. cry. I'm here to cry for Tom Cody. Oh, God. Are you crying for the world? Uh, no, just you Tom know what? Cody. You would love, you know, it'd be great for you to have a kiss in the rain. Because for once, like, the tears would blend in with the actual rain. Huh. That's perfect for you. Uh, but what, so what do you think? Does he do the right thing? Should he have stayed? I mean, to quote the clash. <laughs> um, should he stay or should he go? Uh, you know, in the noble. What would you quest do? Sense? What would Daly do? WWDD. <laughs> <laughs> what would Daly do? I'd probably stay with the, stay with the girl and carry her. Guitar for a while. She was pretty hot. Yeah. <laughs> Why well, make a decision today? Yeah. Well, you can put it off. Enjoy the rest of the show. No, I mean he is like that's the whole you know the the warrior. I mean he had to leave. You know I guess I guess you know in that sense in the movie sense he had to leave. Right. But in real life it's like because he's like I'm not the kind of guy to carry your guitar right. for you, which is kind of BS. Like what does Cody need? Like why can't she be managed by Billy Fish and be in love with him? Right. And why can't he get a gig like fixing cars somewhere exactly. and stay in the Richmond? I know. This movie sucks. Oh, was, here's my point. He has to Street leave. Streets of dog <laughs> is more like it. He has to leave because it is a fable <laughs> and not a movie. And I'm not, with you. I, you not know what? I merely a movie. If it was merely a movie, he stays. If it's real life, he stays. In a rock and roll fable, Tom Cody has to go. I agree. I agree very much. Hey, Cody, how do you like my new wheels? found it in the middle of the street. Somebody just dumped it. The finders keepers, you know what I mean? Maybe you need some company, huh? I don't mind if you tag along. Guess this is my big chance, huh? Hey, cool down, big guy. I already told you. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you. Uh, it's a great ending. Uh, we haven't talked about the music a ton, but... Um... You know what's so bizarre about the music? I just found out this today. James Horner was actually hired to do the score. Who did the Titanic theme. Right, right, right. right. And uh, he didn't do it. He left the project and instead uh, Ry, Ry Cooter did it instead. That's Ry bizarre. Co- but it's awesome. Ry Cooter's music is great in this. I, was, I want to get the soundtrack. And if you Google Streets of Fire, mm-hmm. a lot of times you'll come up with uh, the Bruce Springsteen song from the album Darkness on the Edge of Town. Um, the original plan by Walter Hill was to have that song featured on the film soundtrack. But when... Um, Springsteen found out that the song would be recorded by other vocalists. He withdrew. Interesting. Bizarre. Interesting. Um, the two great songs at the end, of course, are I Can Dream About You by, um, uh, it was an, I think it was a top 10 hit, I Can Dream About You, by yeah. Harrisburg, Pennsylvania's own Dan Hartman. However, Steve. It's not Dan Hartman's voice that you're hearing in the movie. It's actually the vocals of a guy named Winston Ford. Winston Ford. I, you know, I bought my first car from Winston Ford. <laughs> Winston Ford, PA. Yeah. No, it's Winston Ford who does the version in the movie. 
Mm-hmm. When you hear the single on the radio today, it's the, or, it's the late great Dan Hartman. It's the late great Dan Hartman. So there are in fact awesome. two versions. And then you told me this. Although when you hear the song, you can figure it out. Yeah, uh, no, Ellen Ames slash Diane Lane sings "Tonight Is What It Means to Be Young." Yep, for actually, the final song. And if that sounds familiar, it's because it's not her doing it at all. It's actually there's actually up to three people who've been credited with doing the vocals for Diane Lane in this movie. Uh, Holly Sherwood, Lori Sargent. And uh, Marilyn Martin. Mar- Marilyn Martin, of course, was the famous uh, duet counterpart yeah. with um, Phil Collins in Separate Lives. Right. So, I mean, Diane Lane can't sing, but those three do it for her. But who wrote Tonight is What It Means to Be Young? The great Jim Steinem. Steinman, yeah. Steinman, who does all Meatloaf stuff. And it has very much that operatic do you, that do you not? Up. Are you not a fan of that? Because I, I am. Uh, I, you know what? I, a fan, no. Like, it's so overwrought, you know? It reminds me of Suicide Notes sometimes. Like I'm not, but I can see you loving that. I'm being honest. No, I, I can I see you. I can kinda, see you I'm loving just that because frightened by your no, it's familiarity so with like, Suicide Notes. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, you know, I I, kinda, I like that song though. I like I'd like to get Streets of Fire on um to get the soundtrack. I you like, know, it's sad. Not available on iTunes. Really? Yeah, I looked for it yesterday. Really? I feel like well, you know, of course we're going to Los Angeles in a couple weeks. And um, right by your hotel is my favorite record store in the world, Amoeba Music, Amoeba Records, and they have the best soundtrack collection. And you know what I'm going to buy there? Streets of Fire. On vinyl and CD. Sweet. You know what I bought there? I, last time I was there, I bought Risky Business, the soundtrack. So good with all that Tangerine Dream stuff. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> no, it's not amazing. It is. You better go in there. Like, Don't be a I'm loser go and not go into Amoeba. Why would you, why would you, and you better buy something there. Suicide Notes. Now I'll buy you Streets of Fire. I'll buy you Streets of Fire. No, the, the Steinman stuff and Meatloaf, it's just so like, I guess it's hammy. If you embrace the camp aspect of Jim, Jim Steinman, maybe I'd go for it. But I think you're you're taking it uh, you know, wholesale. Tonight wow. is what it means to be. Yeah, you just, love that stuff. God, you eat it up. Yeah, I do. You know what's up? The Saggies. What's happening, hot stuff? Ah, by the sound of the gong, it must be time for Mystery Movie Moment. And uh, because the last show was our first show in over a month, I decided for this show, if you sent me an email with a correct answer, Sean Daly is going to read your name. <gasps> He's going to be out of breath, but that's going to be okay by me. That's all right. Pay attention. Here was the last show's mystery clip. Stop playing with yourself. It is God. Ah, yes. Real genius. Oh, Worthy awesome. of a podcast of its own. Yeah, let's do one on that. Val Kilmer. What are some of our old podcast ideas? We were going to do all, all 50 states, right? Yeah. We got one. Rhode Island in the 80s. What did we do? Oh, we did we go Ohio? We did Ohio? Ohio, Ohio and that was That's it. That's great. We got 49 left. Let's do it, baby. What we, oh, we were going to do famous flops. Did well, we this, do- this would actually be one of them. There we go. Boing. Two down. Yeah. Um... Uh, we had some other good ones. We're gonna try to give you guys as many shows as we can. Uh, like we said last uh, last week, last episode. Um, it's probably gonna be two, three a month, but maybe we can sneak in more. And we'll try to make them better shows. Yes. Less crying. <laughs> more laughing. Well, that's up to you, my friend. I, although I, I te- cry for Tom Cody. I teared up last time, didn't I? Why did I cry? I thought I, I teared up last show. The last time you teared up was when you were talking about Inception. I remember. Because <laughs> he sees the children's faces. <laughs> Shut up. I remember when I saw that, I'm like, I don't get why he's crying. But then I don't have kids. So, and I never will. Go ahead and read some names. Uh, yes, here we go. Are you ready? God, there's got to be 80 names on here. Um, this week's winners include Lisa in Hooks, Texas, Pinhead, 
Dave Featherston, TK421, Rob at BeachbodyRob.com. I want to go there immediately. Rob at BeachbodyRob.com. Thrill Billy JR, Music City, Phil from Adelaide, Chris Hensley, Don in Tulsa, Kevin Wench, The Babe with the Power, Just Drew in Simi Valley, Chris Stanton, Bill with one L. Oh, it's pronounced Bill, not Beal, as Sean likes to say. I did call him Beal because I thought he was of Scandinavian descent, but apparently he's not. Crash from Long Beach, Not So Little Steven, James Crabwalk, Crabtree in Indianapolis, Marty you, Colin Hayes, Major Bedhead, Susan Bell in Spruce Pine, North Carolina, Jessica Cousman Sloan from Westford, Massachusetts, Lance from Big Trouble in Little Fredonia, Robin Lagana, Red Letter Boxer, and... The lovely, the beautiful, the girthy Rick V from New Orleans. Pay attention. Here's this week's mystery clip. Tempt me, devil, and you'll fail. Fine, 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 fine. Just please sit down. Relax. Don't get tense. Just... If you know it, email us at stuckinthe80s at tempe.com and tune in next week to find out if you're a wiener. Ah, the magical refrain of Name That 80s Tune. Hey, it's the Seggy where we uh, play a clip of a song from the 80s. If you get it right, Sean Daly waits breathlessly to uh, butcher your name. Pay attention. Here's the clip from last show. That's All Through the Night by Cindy Lauper. Some even more winners this time. They include Chris from South Lion, Dangerous Dan, Becky Rebello, Chip Midnight from Columbus, Ohio, and Chip says, Yes, that's my real name, ladies. No, he didn't say the ladies part, but I'm trying to help a brother out. <laughs> Eric Two Bags Peterson, now in China. Mark, formerly from Cincinnati. Monica in Olympia. Jim Withers in Australia. Jim Withers, who will be with us in LA. In LA. I can't wait. Uh, Alex Sticks Cardoso Solis from Tijuana, Grumpy Jimmy, Joe from Athens, Georgia, Spoon from Topeka, Kansas, Tommy Doucette in L.A. Is Tommy going to be with us? I think he's 50-50. Really? Yeah. Uh, Charles from Yorktown, uh, Virginia, The Stillinator, Mark, a.k.a. Hookman in York, uh, OJ in La Caruna, Spain, Shelly Hogue, a.k.a. AKA Shello Kitty. Oh, I like that. Carol Jansen, Marissa, You Know You Miss Me Rapier. Poto in Ohio. Sorry, Marissa's thing threw me off. Uh, Poto in Ohio. Thomas from Falls Mills, Virginia. Mike in Plymouth, Massachusetts. Sweet Lou. Just Jessica. Corey Coffin. And the incandescent, the life-affirming Magnus in New York City. <laughs> Pay attention. Here's this week's mystery clip. If you know it, email us at stuckinews at tempe.com and tune in next time to find out if you're a wiener.
And we are back to the glorious sounds of Dan Hartman. Yeah. Um, sad story from Dan Hartman. I just wanted to do that. Uh, I just wanted to do that story for the Harrisburg Patriot News, which is the newspaper up there. And uh, is it weekly? No, it's a it's a, it's a vibrant daily up there. So you kind of throw it's still on your around. porch for free. No, the Patriot News. It's some good journalism up there. But Dan Hartman, I love that song, and now available on iTunes. And we, you could probably do a patchwork and get a lot of the songs from the movie on iTunes. That'd be nice. I think Ry Cooter has like a box set where I bet he's got a lot of this stuff on there. Yeah. Some of the early scores are really, really good. I'm a score nerd, sorry. No, that's fine. But I was really, really digging. And the blasters are in there. One bad stud. Yeah. One bad stud. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I, I like um one of the moments when you see the Sorrells, I remember the shock of having seen um Streets of Fire, and you see the scene with the Sorrell singing the Dan Hartman song, yeah. and they're moonwalking on the stage, and the crowd's going crazy, and the neon is shooting up. You know, it looks like a scene straight out of Purple Rain. Yeah. Oh, that's really good. And, yeah. I've, and I've said before, I think, that to me, Streets of Fire and Purple Rain, which both came out in 1984, very similar in the sense that the music scenes are kind of what you remember most when it's all over. I mean, and, and that the action, when you try to boil it down and you try to talk about it, it seems kind of silly. But in the context of everything, it suddenly takes on a, like a more magical quality. That's true. It does. But um, the Sorrells, when you first see them sing uh, I Can Dream About You, and then you get your first glance of uh, the real Dan Hartman, you realize he's white. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> he, like, he is. And it's just like, it's yeah. a mind bender. I, 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 I. It's like a Looney Tunes noise you just made right there. So we encourage all of you to uh, go to Netflix and uh, put in Streets of Fire and move it number one on your queue, baby. And let us know. I say it's a delightful time at home with you and your family. Gather the kids around, cook up the Orville Redenbacher, and it have is a good kind time. Of a, it is kind of a, a family friendly. The action movie. rocks. Yeah. I love when Cody's shooting the guys, uh, the bombers off their motorcycles. Right. Things it's, explode in this movie that have no right exploding. Like everything explodes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's, it's PG, so it's family friendly. It's available for Net, Netflix uh, streaming. Because that's how I watched it. Or you can get the disc, like Sean watched it. And just remember... Oh, did you get the disc for me? I got the disc for you. Oh, that's really nice. I didn't know that. You're sweet. And um, and remember, while you're watching it, to remember the mantra. Tonight is what it means to be young, Sean Daly. It's true. I'm a believer now, Steve. I'm a believer. So along with Sean Daly, I remain here, crying for Tom Cody, and hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is produced by the St. Petersburg Times and TampaBay.com. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for the music for the opening credits. Read our blog at TampaBay.com slash blogs slash 80s. And don't forget to subscribe to the show at iTunes. I cry for John Cody. That's what I'm trying to say. It's it's Tom Cody. John Cody is our colleague. No, that's... Oh, you... It's funny. Go ahead. (laughs)